Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Two Spot Monkeys Live. I'm Jim. Tom is with me as well. Tom, good to see you in chat again. Jim, likewise. How are you today? I, I'm doing well. It is snowing here in Nebraska today. Uh, on Wednesday, it was 70, and I was sweating outside working on, we're putting in a splash pad um, at the facility that I work at, uh, the long-term care facility that I work at, and uh, it'll be put in in the spring. And we were outside doing some measuring and things for that with the company that we're working with. And I was sweating on Wednesday and today I almost slid off the road. So welcome to winter in the Midwest, right? I mean, you live in Michigan, you know this too. Um, yeah, here we are, December. We're, we're nice We're nice and dry here in Michigan. Uh, it's supposed to come through. I think the storm or parts of the storm that you're probably experiencing is heading our way. Uh, the, the model appears to be going north of where I live, so I'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it was. we weren't supposed to. We were like an inch, and now we're up to like maybe two to four, and it was snowing a bunch this morning when I had to drive. So and it's the first snowfall, so people forget how to drive in it, all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, well, and, and on that note, too, like, again, we're still in a pandemic across the, across the world, but across the United States, and I'm guessing – less people are traveling unless they have an essential job that requires them to work outside the home. Like again, Sarkar, you say you, you probably aren't going to your facility or your, your home base, you know, as, as nearly as often as you used to. And I now completely work from home. So right. I, what is driving, what is going to be driving in the snow loop like when I go to the grocery store every two weeks? <laughs> right. Right. Maybe it'll melt by then. So yeah, I had to be out in it. Well, it was falling this morning, which wasn't fun, but this isn't a weather podcast. Um, and if we're not to that two minutes of, of Michigan and Nebraska weather, we appreciate it. Uh, There's a wrestling podcast. We're going to talk a little wrestling uh, today. So uh, one of the things that we love to do after one of our head-to-heads, which we, of course, had our head-to-head uh, last week over with TakeOver War Games happening last Sunday night, which both Tom and I agree, uh, it's Friday when we're recording this. And TakeOver feels like it was a lot longer than four days ago. I don't know if that speaks to the weeks both Tom and I have had or what, but yeah, it does seem like uh, neither of us have seen all of NXT. We both just kind of started the show, and it seems like that didn't feel like it was going to be the follow-up show, even though it is. And and I'm not saying that they presented it in any way that it wasn't. It Honestly, the opening very much was the follow-up, um, but it just feels like there should have been another show in the time frame since that happened. Uh, but uh, we like to talk about three big things. Uh, Tom, do you have a big thing? Well, I, I'm sorry. Let's go ahead and update the head-to-head. I really don't want to. I liked how you were about to jump past that. You were, That was pretty slick there. I also don't blame you. Yes, I I, I don't uh, don't don't really want to talk about it, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> but um, but you know, I'll go to therapy afterwards, and maybe it'll be okay. Um, uh, I'm actually pulling it up. Tom, do you have it in front of you? I do. Yep. So uh, the results from Takeover, uh, I went five and zero. Oh. You went four and one. Uh, that Dexter Loomis, he got me my he got me my 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 hundred uh, percent to the uh, stupid moon. Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> bringing bringing us overall uh, to a six match gap. Forty six and ten is my record. Forty and sixteen is yours. Final battle is a week from today. We will be recording before final battle next week, and that will be the second to last event for our head-to-head competition. And then we will also be rolling in on the same show talking about TLC, which we will also again pick. So 
definitely there will be more than six matches between both shows. Uh, so again, it's it's still you're still in it, even though that gap is wide. Um, you're in it. And, and I will say, um, I, I, kudos to you, Tom. Uh, two out of our last three shows, you're undefeated. You've gotten every pick right. Um, Nine and zero at Full Gear and five and zero at Takeover. Uh, so fourteen and zero among those two uh, shows. And we both were four and two at Survivor Series, which is more about their booking than than our prediction. If they would have done what we said, it would have made more sense. Uh, but uh, uh, kudos to you. It's hard, you know. <laughs> Trying to predict WWE booking is especially hard, um, and trying to book, trying to pick AEW booking isn't always easy too. Maybe for different reasons, not because they do as many just stupid things that make no sense, but because sometimes they do such a nice job of building it to where you're like, I, I just don't know. It could go either way. Um, which Takeover also had a we talked about that last week on the show that uh, a lot of those matches um, we just didn't know um, what way it was going to go and. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. Um, but three big things from that. We'll just get off the uh, pounding that I continue to take in the head-to-head. I'm ready for January. Let's talk Royal Rumble and start this thing 0-0. Uh, but, uh, or, or, yeah, AEW doesn't have an, a January pay-per-view. So Royal Rumble will be our start for that next year, most likely. Unless we do Wrestle Kingdom picks. that's a, There's something we can think about. Or, um, or New Year's Evil. Or, or New Year's Evil, which is... Also not a New Year's Eve poll. Right. It's on the 6th. Six days later. (laughs) Very, very. Although New Year's, uh, what is it? What are they calling it on AEW? New Year's Bash um, or something like that? Something Bash, yeah. Like Uh, Is is before and after New Year's and not on New Year's. So um, they're both as guilty, I guess, of that. Uh, Three big things. Tom, do you want to start off with your first big thing? Yeah, for sure I will. Uh, So I will just um, use this platform to once again sing the praises of Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, I, and again, he, he, he wasn't necessarily the absolute standout in the main event War Games match, but I just am drinking everything that Kyle O'Reilly is pouring out right now. So um, fill me up one cup, fill me up two cups, I'm drinking them. Um, I'm all about Kyle O'Reilly. Um, so I really hope, uh, and again, if, if the first segment on Wednesday's show, um, and again, which is as far as I've gotten, is an indicator of where they're going. I really hope that 2021 is a year where Kyle O'Reilly gets a really big shot to um, just to just to be in the spotlight to get a, get a, get a title, get a title run. I have an opinion about where I kind of project where I think NXT the title is going to go, and I see Kyle O'Reilly in that picture. Um, but yeah, loved loved his performance. Loved that he started the match. Um, he's my number one of the three big things that I have a takeaway from that show. You know, and, and just to bounce off of that, I love that he and Dunn started that match. Um, you know, a throwback to their ladder match a couple of weeks before a week or week before, I guess it was a week and a half before. Um, and the, the war that they went through in that match and they just picked right up where they left off. And the, and the guys, all eight of them, Pat McAfee included, um, you know, did, did a great job. I thought in that match, um, I'm going to go to the first War Games match for my first big thing. Uh, and I'm just going to maybe say the women's War Game match in general and maybe hit a couple of things. Uh, I think you and I were onto something with the idea that uh, perhaps it would be used to set up a new challenger. Little did we know that it might not be Candace, it might not be Tony, 
Raquel Gonzalez getting the huge win um, as clean as you can be in war games. You know, I mean, when you powerbomb somebody through a table, is that a clean win? In war games, it is. Um, so, you know, no, it's not chicanery like you would see in a regular match if that happened. Um, they, they've clearly got a little bit of a, uh, I don't soft spot isn't the right word, but they, they see something in Raquel Gonzalez um, as the powerhouse of that women's division. I know she's got a match with Ember Moon on this week's episode. I haven't seen that yet, uh, so I can't speak to anything about it, but um, she has come along very nicely in the ring. I think she's got a really good presence to her um, when she has cut little bitty promos, you know, alongside Dakota Kai, who obviously talks a little bit more. Um, you know, she hasn't done anything that's made me go, oh God, don't let her talk, you know, let her be Andre and just shh, don't say anything. Um, I, they may have found something here in Raquel Gonzalez and um, I'm, I'm intrigued to see her even more now um, in that. The second piece I want to bring up from the women's uh, war games match is Io Shirai. Uh, she is a crazy woman. To put a garbage can over yourself so you can't see what you're doing. And then jump off the top of a cage onto seven of your closest friends, I guess, for lack of a better word, takes an immense amount of trust. And I understand wrestling in general takes an immense amount of trust. But she was blind. I mean, maybe they had a pinhole in there so she could see they were in position or something. I don't know. It wasn't obvious if they did, certainly. Um, and so for somebody to do that, she's nuts. Um, and I loved every minute of it <laughs> because I went, holy crap. Um it was a, it was a very, very cool spot. And Shirai's done a number of really cool things like that. Um, and yet still tells a really good story in everything she does. Um, I'm, I'm a big Io Shirai fan. Um, and, and a big fan, honestly, of all eight of those women, I think they absolutely killed it. They started off the show really well. Um, kudos to them. Probably, probably better than last year's women's war games match, um, which was good in its own right. But, uh, I, you know, they've only had two, I guess. So I would say probably the best um, of the two. The women women killed it. I'm going to stay in that match for my second thing. Um, and this is not a new narrative that I'm bringing to our conversations here. But I, I just want to know. Like, I'm, I'm trying to process and dig in differently about, about the what. And then I'm also going to pose a rhetorical question. But, but please please respond, too. And that goes, that goes to Rhea Ripley. Like, I just think about the 2020 year. And again, it's a little bit of a crapshoot because of the pandemic. But when I think about the path that Rhea was on from January to March, and then how things have been from April to now, I just don't know where they're going with her. And, you know, we've both shared before, we think that she's destined for either Raw or SmackDown, and that there would be the freshness there of her with numerous talents. And we I don't think we're, we're not getting there yet that I'm aware of. I, don't, I'm not, I haven't watched Raw, and again, of course, uh, didn't watch NXT, uh, but typically would have heard, you know, something. Yes, but you, you even only remain such, so spoiler-free for so long. Um, so Unless all you of, just turn the computer off, yeah. yeah. Right, right. So, so the question then that, that I ask is, as, as fans, or just between the two of us, should we be tempering expectations on different talents that and, and begin to adapt to an idea of maybe an ebb and flow um, for some talents? Like, so I would say that right now, Rhea is in 
an ebb of her trajectory, right? I think you could easily push her. I think she has all the tools, but where's the spot for her? So is she in an ebb and then she'll eventually get back to a flow and maybe that's when she goes to Raw or SmackDown? Because it seems like she's done all that she can do in NXT. Um, so that's so that's that, but I think you can apply that just generally in wrestling. Like when you're looking at development of talents, storylines, personas, are we are we wanting too much too fast or 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 is there something else? Yeah. Um I I, I agree. Rhea has had a strange year. Um and and you're right. Everything's strange this year because of the pandemic. And and I don't doubt that the pandemic, along with Charlotte Flair being out with surgery, um, probably changed some of Rhea's direction. Um, Triple H had made the comment that, you know, when EO won the title, it was all part of a long-term story with Charlotte and NXT, which you would assume would also include Rhea. Um, and, and they've had to, they've said they've had to pivot from that because of Charlotte's um, need for surgery and, you know, the pandemic and all of that. Um, yeah. Where, where did they go from here with Rhea? Um, I'm interested to see NXT from this week and see if that is even touched on or if it's the Peyton Royce treatment, um, you know, that I will now call it that um, I'm going to start a new game called where in the world is Peyton Royce? Um, because you pin a former world champ, you don't get on TV. I don't know what happens. Um you know, that's not Rhea's case, though. But, um, yeah, I think it's – I don't know where she's going. I don't know. I, I hope something happens soon, though, because I, I do fear that she loses luster after a while, um, especially if she's kind of just middling. Um, it would almost be better for her to just leave TV for a while and then come back to wherever she's going to come back to, and then it's a big deal. You know, oh, my God, Rhea Ripley's back, and she's on SmackDown or Raw or NXT or whatever, um, or AEW. No, I'm sorry. Um <laughs> That's you got to be over 60 to have those big signings. Um, little shot. Sorry. Um, so I, I think it'll be interesting. My second thing. Um, well, I'm sorry, real quick. I just wanted to respond because as I was listening to you, another thought came to mind and, and I, I wonder how, how relevant this is. I think it's actually relevant, but I wonder your take on it too. How are we to determine, how is anyone to determine who's actually getting over and who's getting a response? Right, like there are very few fans, and in, in some cases there are zero fans, other than like screens. Which, how 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 they're getting them to respond in real time and or piping in sound, that's amazing. But it's still not the authentic, like ass every eighteen inches, you know, in in a stadium or in a, in a venue. So how how are they gauging who to push, who to put over, who to promote all? I has had I just thought about that when when I was listening to you. Yeah, I I don't know for sure. Um, my assumption would be that they're determining that based on how they always determine it, which has absolutely nothing to do with the audience, anyways. <laughs> and it's who's over with Vince. Um, I, I just you know now I do know they do have the WWE fan council. I think they call it that they send out emails to. I'm a part of it. Um, I had joined it a while back and you fill out, you can fill out surveys. It's usually after pay-per-views. Um, occasionally they'll do other ones about viewing habits or, or what do you think about this, that, or the other, but it's usually after pay-per-views and I usually do fill it out. Um, and I'm, I'm bluntly honest in it about what I thought. Um, and you get entered, if you fill it out, you get entered in a drawing to win a $50 WWE shop gift card, 
um, which I would tell you that I think is all bunk and they don't actually ever do it, except that I actually have won one once. Um, so I apparently they do actually give them out. Um, so, you know, whether they take that into consideration or not, I, I don't know. Um, but ultimately, WWE is booked for one man in almost all cases. Occasionally, he will pivot. You know, Daniel Bryan, WrestleMania 30. We've seen we've seen those, but they're few and far between. Um, so there's that. Um, the second piece for me was um, the tease of Karrion Cross uh, returning. And a little bit of an annoyance, frankly, with Tom Phillips. Is it Tom Phillips? Is that who does? Vic Joseph. Vic Joseph. Vic Joseph. As soon as I was saying Tom Phillips, that didn't feel right. He's on Raw. Um, Vic Joseph. A little bit of an annoyance. So they show the same kind of video that they showed when Karrion Cross debuted. And the Vulture, who almost looked like he was, the Vulture was in the arena, but they never really made that clear. And Vic Joseph at the end of it goes, oh, well, that was weird. Don't know what that was about. Are you kidding me? It's Karrion Cross. Everybody and their sister knows it. Like, what, what are you doing? Um, I understood when they were doing that before Karrion Cross debuted because it's this new character. The guy was your champ a couple of months back for four days, um, three days, whatever it was, but um, but he got hurt. It, it's the same video. It's not even a new viral thing you're doing that's going to lead to carrying cross return, which would be fine if they did that. They were like, oh, I wonder what this flame is that shows up on the screen or whatever. I'm just making things up. It was the same stinking video and Vic Joseph. Oh, that was really weird. Don't know what that was. Um, well, you're the only one that's watching that doesn't, buddy. Um, because, good God. Um, I I am a fan of Karrion Cross. I know some people don't quite get it with him. Um, they think it's just all entrance and not a whole lot else. I like the guy in the ring. Um, I think he and Scarlett have a, a cool package together. Um, I did appreciate, I have seen the beginning, you've seen the beginning of NXT? Yeah. Through the end of that segment? Yeah. Okay, so I'm not spoiling it to say that Scarlett comes out during that segment. And I did like that when the music started, she was not singing it. Um, she did not stand in Finn Balor's face and sing Paul and pray to him or anything. Um, I was a little worried. When she turned towards him, when the singing came up, I was like, oh, no, she's going to do it, isn't she? Um, and she didn't. Um, and, and without knowing how that episode ends and where they're headed for New Year's Evil and all of that kind of thing and not getting too far off into another thing, I liked that the NXT title started out that episode as feeling important. You had four guys who were all saying, hey, I'm coming for that. Um, I think that's good to make your title seem important, especially at this point where the title, frankly, has been on the shelf for two months. Um, if I'm carrying cross, I'm going, huh, how long was I out? You couldn't leave the belt on me. You left it on him for two months, though. Um, interesting. But uh, I think Finn is almost established enough that you can do that where carrying cross, you know, was still pretty new. Um, but I, I liked I liked the tease, other than the whole completely stupid Vic Joseph comment um, at the end of it. I like the tease, and I'm I'm excited to see what Cross does. I think you got to put him right back into that title picture. And again, based on that segment one, I think we're headed for Damian Priest, which is not where I thought they were going to be heading, based on what we talked about last week with with Takeover, and then how that played out with the North American title. And I'm okay with that because I think a potential Karrion Cross Damian Priest match is going to be amazing. So if we get there, I'm good. My, my only thought is. Priest hasn't won anything in a little while now. 
I mean, that's just who do you have win that? You, you almost got to put crossover coming back. So I, I don't think you're going to hurt Damian Priest necessarily. I think he's he's a made man enough right now that he can probably take that loss and you move him on and, and get him some wins. Um, and, and that's a good problem in NXT to have. People that are over enough that you're like, Ooh, who do you put over and, and not drop somebody else in the process? Um, well, therein lies my question. How do you determine who's over? Right, right. <laughs> That's my assumption of who's, who's right, over. Right, right, right. I think, I, and we agree. I think, I think, I think he's a great talent. I think he's shown in twenty twenty in the ring. Damian Priest is upper echelon in NXT. Uh, it's actually funny. I watched the Keith Lee doc. I don't know if you've seen that yet on the network. I haven't yet. Okay, I, I had completely forgotten that Damian Priest was on Team NXT at the Survivor Series last year. It makes sense now because of where he's being featured and focused on, but. To think that was a year ago, I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I mean, and obviously they saw, they, they know what they've had in him. And then I also, as I was watching NXT, this is not my third big thing, so I apologize. I just remembered saying out loud to myself. Hey, we go on tangents? What do you mean, Tom? <laughs> I, I, I know. I, yes, yes, yes. Um, I, I remembered saying, I, I wasn't digging you as Punishment Martinez. I mean, I, I, I didn't dislike him, but he wasn't ever someone that I was like, Super giddy to watch, I, and that, that also speaks to how I was following Ring of Honor at the time. He is night and day now, in my for me, from what he from who and what he was in Ring of Honor to who and what he is in NXT. So, yep, I agree. And going to our love of action figures, he's going to make a really cool action figure when they get to him. Absolutely, <laughs> that might be one to pick up. I want that. I want that elite. They haven't even made made the sculpt for it yet, but I want it. All right. So my third big thing is going to be the question of, can you win Rookie of the Year in pro wrestling with only two matches? Because Pat McAfee is amazing. And we, we, we knew this in the singles match with Adam Cole, and he does it again here. And he didn't look at all out of place. Like, this would be the time and the space. And again, I think you can argue two ways. This could be the time and place where he could get exposed and or it's just the right time and space to have him pick the right spots and shine. And that's what happened here. Because granted, he's still so new to this. And who knows if um, if and what his future tra trajectory in NXT pro wrestling is. You have to think there's something there. I, I'm always interested by the, I think it's the Wade Barrett comment where he's, he said he's made $7 million across seven, or a million dollars across seven different professions or whatever they, whatever that, statement is I'm I'm butchering uh, botching it and butchering it so forgive me um but again here's a guy who again Pat McAfee probably doesn't need money so he's doing things that he enjoys wow what a what a life that 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 you can live when that is what you're able to do so but no I enjoyed Pat McAfee and it's a little tongue-in-cheek I don't think you can become rookie of the year after just two matches but the ceiling is incredibly high for him I yeah I agree he was he was he was amazing um, he was amazing. Uh, my, my third big thing, I, you know, I'm kind of waffling around on, on what I want it to be. Um, but I'm going to go with, uh, Ciampa, I, Tommaso Ciampa. I've been a fan of Tommaso Ciampa since, uh, my first real exposure to him was in ring of honor. I was aware of him before, but I really hadn't seen a whole lot. Um, I wasn't watching FCW when he was in the developmental system before that, uh, when he was a very different character. Um, so if, you know, I probably had seen him work some, some job, you know, matches 
here and there for different companies um, and not known who he was kind of thing. But I became a fan of him right away in Ring of Honor. Um, I've always loved his his powerbomb to the knees finisher, uh, which I know he isn't doing as much anymore, which is probably a good idea for a guy who's had some knee issues. Um, I'm not sure that, you know, knees are meant to take that kind of force of a full human, be- full-size human being coming down on them. Um, in the indies, he probably worked with a lot lighter guys than he's working with for the most part now. Um, but I just really liked, I like the presentation of him right now. I like that he's kind of heelish, but he's kind of not, but he's kind of just almost a little stone cold Steve Austin ish. Um, certainly not to that level. Certainly not being pushed to that level probably won't ever be. Although if anybody could be, I do think he's the kind of character that could work that way. Um, but I just really liked it. I, I, I thought that maybe I might've been onto something there with that um, little nod of respect that they seem to have at the end of the match. Um, I don't think it's going to lead like to a Champa Thatcher team or anything like that. Um, but uh, when I saw the little respect thing, I was like, woohoo, I picked it. Um, too bad. I don't get a point for that. Um, but uh, but uh, just the presentation of Champa I've really liked lately. Um, I know on, on this week's show, he wrestles Cameron Grimes, which I think should be really good. Um, and and just such an interesting character dynamic between those two people, um, those two characters. Uh, so I'm interested to see that match when I get a chance to here, uh, whenever I get a chance to get to NXT this weekend. Uh, so Chapo was my third big thing, and just um, I, I'm so glad he's back, you know, and and doing what he's doing. Yeah, let's hope that 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 was a springboard for him to do something more consistently. Because again, as I mentioned last week, I just felt like it was some really inconsistent delivery of him as a character and as, as, as a focal point. It, so it'd be awesome to see progression from there. Absolutely. Well, that is our three big things for war games. Uh, anything else from war games stick out to you, Tom, that kind of our honorable mention, sometimes we have things to throw in. This was a shorter card. Um, Match-wise, not necessarily length-wise, but match-wise. Yeah, I mean, the I mean, the other two things that I'll just pull out quickly um, is just Cameron Grimes. You know, I think he's he's a guy where, again, I don't think Should've losing won. ever hurts him. He should have won. <laughs> I don't think losing ever hurts him. I, I mean, so that that speaks to your talent and your ability. If you can if you can maintain a little bit of that Teflon, uh, kind of it just it rolls right off you. Uh, and, and you still maintain, uh, you know, your presence and your persona. That's a good thing. But you have to wonder, like, where where do they go? So, so to your point that you made uh, about Champa and Grimes on NXT, eager to see how that match happens and plays out and what direction. Right. Each guy, anything more or right? Yeah, each guy goes. And then the other piece is just uh, Gargano's title win. Third time is the charm. Let's see if he can actually re- uh, defend the title now. And then the reveal of uh, Ghostface. It was me, Austin. I, uh, I, I gotta love. I gotta admit, I kind of love that. Um, now it'll be interesting to see if they reveal more of them because there have been like six or eight of them at some point or another. Um, you know, yeah. When he rips the hood off, and it was me, Austin. Austin Theory. Um, <laughs> Here's the ironic part about that for me, though. There are probably people who are watching the product that have zero clue. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and arguably Austin Theory probably should have zero clue because he's that young. <laughs> right, right. He was about four when that happened. Um, but at least he's enough of a fan of wrestling to know, you know, to do it. Um 
as cheesy as that was, however many years ago when Vince did it, and, and kind of a, for me, it was a little bit of a groaning, like, oh, of course it was Vince McMahon. Um, I I don't know. I, I, I got a chuckle out of that, at least. Um, and, and I'm okay with giving Gargano a partner, or a, a and maybe there's going to be more. Maybe it's going to be a stable of some sort. Um, I, I do love stables. So that's, that's cool if that goes somewhere. Uh, I think you can tell some stories, and Theory's got some talent. So, you know, let's see. Maybe Gargano is not a bad guy to mentor that that kid. Um, and, and potentially, you know, there's there's been some accusations against Theory of, of maybe not being the best person outside of the ring. Um, he's young. Um, so I don't, maybe he's made some really stupid mistakes. Maybe he's made some bigger mistakes. I don't know. I don't know the depth of those accusations. Uh, Gargano always seems to be the kind of guy that, everybody speaks very highly of. Um, so maybe a little mentoring in and out of the ring isn't all bad for Austin Theory either. He's a young kid who could have a great career ahead of him, probably needs to keep his head on straight. Um, Gargano might not be a bad person to, to pair him up with um, to learn some of that. So, um, and you could do, please don't, but they could do some sort of like love triangle with Candace falling for the younger Austin Theory. And I don't know, you could do something stupid like that, but from my words to the ground and never into Triple H's ear, please. Um, Vince would do that. He would have started there, but um, maybe Triple H will stay away from it. Uh, next thing we wanted to touch on was the AEW presentation and just AEW in general, maybe. Um, you've seen it. We're both current on AEW. Um, so we've seen, well, let's talk first, maybe before we talk presentation, Tom. Um we were both really looking forward to Sting talking um, on this week's episode. I'm curious your thoughts on that segment. Underwhelming, in a word. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. I, and, and 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 there's nothing more I can really say. Um, it certainly appeared to tease something more between he and Cody. That, and he said he's going to be there for a while. And or long term, but he didn't give any like motivation for why. So, yeah, under underwhelming. How, how about you? Yeah, I, underwhelming would be the way to. Um, you know, he he kind of said that he had he was there for something with Darby. Um, that you know that that seemed really familiar to him. Black and white face paint sitting in the rafters. You know, all that kind of stuff. I, okay. I'm good with him having some sort of alliance or something to do with Darby. I think that would be a good rub for Darby. Um, but do that then. Um, I, AEW does this occasionally where I think they try to do too many things at the same time. Um, and and they would say they're creating branches to the story, I'm sure. And, and they are at some level. But if he's there to mentor or something Darby Allen, then he's a baby face. But yet he kind of acted like a prick to Cody. Um, who Cody himself kind of sometimes flip-flops between aw shucks good guy and arrogant maybe almost slightly getting heelish um, guy um, I don't mind shades of gray but just tell me stories don't make, don't make me always there's a difference between going oh I wonder what's going to happen next and what the hell are they doing uh, and I felt a little more the uh, the second way than the first way on that. Um, Sting didn't say much. 
Um, but that was kind of a theme for the night. And I don't know, um, this might get into our presentation idea of the live shows versus the tape shows, but um, the other piece that to me was under underwhelming was Kenny Omega and Don Callis on Wednesday night. Um, I had watched their their uh, Impact segment uh, from Tuesday night. Impact put that full show up on YouTube, so which was very cool, and I thought a great idea from them. Um, I might have loaded the rest of the show up a little better, um, but I also don't know when they taped that versus when this all came in to be, you know, I don't know. They they might have just had to insert it into what they already had planned for this week. So, the, you know, I don't mean to take them to task for that too much. I thought Tuesday night's uh, promo was really good and fun and told you a little bit and, you know, all of that. But then Wednesday night they came out and they kind of just did the same shtick with Tony Schiavone instead of Josh Matthews. Um you know, don't get me wrong. I love Justin Roberts' intro. We've talked about that before. I love that he finds a new way to work North Carolina into it every week, um, which I still don't fully understand why, but uh, it's fun. I just, it was it, like, I was like, well, I watched Impact. Why did I need to see this promo? It didn't advance anything. They told me the same thing. Did they just think nobody watched Impact? Which Impact had a pretty big viewership increase on Tuesday night because of that. So already, if I'm Impact, I'm happy about this. Um, AEW also had a viewership increase. So from that alone, good good job. Um, but move the story along. I don't mind a slow burn. In fact, that's probably what I'd prefer here. Don't hotshot everything. But a slow burn still needs to move. And I didn't feel like there was movement this week. Yeah, I was going to joke and say uh, we buried the lead by talking first about Sting and not about Kenny Omega and Don Callis. Um, doesn't matter. Um because we're gonna we're, we're gonna cover it all here anyway. Because we don't ever stay on topic. Uh, but yeah, I actually completely agree with you. And uh, disappointing is the word that's coming to mind. I, I don't want to like paint it with that brush. But yeah, like don't don't get me excited to see what you're gonna do on Wednesday if you're trying to push me to Tuesday and then you're just gonna duplicate that. I would have preferred just one more nugget to have been given to us as fans on Wednesday. But yeah, it seemed like it was, and again, the presentation landed for me much better on Tuesday with the impact show than it did on AEW. And I would imagine you don't want your presentation to be that. Again, I don't know that it's how other folks interpreted it or felt, but that's how it felt for me. Um, so using that to then talk about just the whole AEW presentation. As I was watching AEW this week, the big thing that stuck out for me, um, knowing that it was taped, and I, I know that I've watched it before, knowing that it was taped, but some of the things that were happening during this show like seemed to really vary production-wise versus the weeks they're live. For example, I believe last, not last night, Wednesday night, when they aired it and when I watched it, um, there was only one cutaway the entire night to the crowd. Because I'm guessing they taped it with no one in the crowd except for that one small segment. If Or that was just literally a capture from the night before or whenever they taped the previous show and they just they plugged it in. So they, they're, not, they're not going to the crowd for reactions on a tape show, at least this week, that they do on a live show. It's, it's, it's much more of an interactive difference. Uh, and, and also, even the people on the ringside, those wrestlers there, the number was diminished on this week's episode versus 
the previous week when Sting debuted. So that was number one. Number two, the the production and the camera cuts, there's a lot more replays and they tend to, to rush them or blur them together um, without giving things time to breathe from my perspective. So that was a takeaway that I had as well. Um, and then just the, the, the structure and the flow of the show, for me, the energy was just different. It shouldn't have been. Like, again, it was a, it was a really good show, I th- and I thought it built well because that main event was was really good, and I loved the way that it ended, uh, and I think it's telling an even better story. There's Again, there's a lot of moving parts there, uh, but those were my takeaways, and I know that we had kind of talked about having this be one of our kind of topics for the day, and you hadn't yet noticed that, but I would, I would challenge you in a way to – when you watch Dynamite next week, knowing it's live, and then knowing that the week following is taped, to kind of not—I don't—I don't want to bias you, right? But I just try to try to try to discern any differences that you can, because I'd be interested in your feedback and how. Again, and I, and I don't, I don't truly believe that I set myself up to to enjoy the show less or be less engaged as a as a viewer. It's just those were the things that again, organically felt different on one level of presentation versus the other. You know, now that you say it, um, you're, you're right about the, the crowd cuts. Um, and I hadn't, hadn't given that a thought, obviously I hadn't caught it. Um, but you're right about it. Like it, as you said it, I was like, Oh yeah, yeah, you are right. Um, and, and in fact, I, re- I do remember thinking and watching this week's episode when the snow started for sting to come out. Um, I wasn't sure if that was this week or if they were showing something that had happened the week before when he debuted, um, which just goes to, they weren't showing the crowd responding to sting because maybe there wasn't one. And I, I think you're probably onto something there. I think that is the, the case. Um, and it probably is a stock crowd photo they or footage they use, you know, when they did cut away to a crowd shot real quick. Um, yeah. Interesting. It'll be interesting to watch for that. Um, and just notice changes. Like you said, I'll try not to be biased. Um, but, but I think you're right. Um, and interesting to see, is it, I guess my question is going to be, um, and and not that we have an answer to this, is it better to do that if they're taping, if they're taping the taped shows in front of no crowd and kind of piping in the noise and just making it sound like the crowd's there without showing them, is that better than taping two shows, um, on the same night, let's say, and having a completely worn out crowd? in the second show, you know, raw used to do that occasionally. And, and usually those tape draws had very little energy. Um, I went to a few of those tapings and yeah, you're done by the, you know, the time the third and fourth hour are being taped. Plus you're also taping a couple of hours of, you know, velocity or Sunday night heat or whatever the um, B or C show was that would be taped with raw at that time. Um, so, so interesting. Um, to see, I, to talk about the main event for a minute, just talk more AEW here for a minute. I really liked the way that MJF worked Cassidy's hand and that they told a story throughout the match with that. I thought they both did a really nice job with that. Um, I I honestly thought Cassidy was going to win a couple of times. So even though I was pretty sure going into it that MJF would win. Um, so good job telling me the story along the way to make me think, you know, make me switch my thinking. Um, and for the second week in a row, I do have to give them kudos Miro looks awesome. Um, looks like the monster he should be. Um, doesn't he still dresses funny, but that's Miro. That's him as a person. Um, so 
okay. Um, I'll, I'll live with that. Um, doesn't work for me, but I'm a I'm a hoodie and blue jeans or t-shirt blue jeans kind of guy. Uh, Miro isn't. He likes to wear designer stuff that doesn't make any sense to me, and that's okay. Um, and I'm not going to tell Miro that because he'd kill me. Uh, so, you know, kudos to him. Wear what you want, buddy. Um, but he looked, that crazed look in his eyes, which we've seen before as Rusev um, in, in his previous life. Um, but kudos, kudos to their booking on that. I think they're turning a corner with him. I hope they continue that. Um, at some point, he's probably going to kill Kip Sabian. Um, and that's going to be okay. Because Kip Sabian's the kind of a character that can do that. And, and I think, you know, when he gets beat up by the big guy, he might actually become a baby face out of it um, because he's such a small guy and Miro's going to just wax the floor with him. Um, so kudos on the Miro thing. I just, I, I'm, I was a Rusev fan and I've been really disappointed in how he'd been used in AEW so far. We've talked about that before here on the show. Um, so I was glad to see when the show ended and kind of he was really, he was the focal point, even though MJF won the main event match. Um, Miro ended up being the one you're thinking about at the end of the show and not even MJF and MJF will be fine for that. That's not going to bury him in any way, shape or form. Um, spoiler alert, Sammy Guevara is going to be a big baby face for them very soon. Um, I, I, I agree. And I can't wait. I, I think he is going to be a big baby face for them, uh, sooner rather than later. Um, Yeah. I, I think that's where it's headed. Uh, one one item I, that we wanted that I wanted to touch on to kind of maybe take this conversation full circle because we started with Sting and Cody and we talked about kind of the the trajectory that Cody tends to go back and forth on. Uh, we had the Brandy Rhodes and Shaq segment, which progressed that story and uh, and and again continued to keep Jade Cargill at the forefront of our minds. Um, when you think about who the heel was in that segment, it didn't come across like it was Shaq. I'll tell you that much. It didn't. No, with with Brandy, like I thought, I thought the way Brandy handled herself was very was very See, negative. And that's interesting. I, I she was negative, but she kind of explained that. I felt like with her, you know, if you come at my family, like you're going to get this out of me. I, I thought Shaq definitely had a heelish tone at the end. I thought he was playing nice guy for a long time, um, and I say playing because of what he did at the end when he said, "Well, your arm's still in a sling." you know, maybe you should take some pointers from Jade, who's been in the business a cup of coffee compared to Brandy, who's only been in it like, you know, a large cup of coffee, um, but longer than than Jade, certainly. Um, and she's the, you know, chief branding officer of a major organization. So, hey, kudos to her. Um, so I, I felt like Shaq came off, although her throwing the coffee or whatever it was in his face, um, the look on his face... I, I don't know how I was supposed to take that at the end. It didn't look like enraged. Um, it didn't, uh, it, it looked kind of dumb <laughs> to be perfectly honest. It was it, the look at the end of it was took me out of it. Um, Cause I was like, Oh yeah, she's really mad at this guy. Cause he just, you know, insulted her. And then he gives this like, dare look at the camera. Um, I almost expected to hear like something go like wah wah in the background and like you know the Looney Tunes circle that would close yeah. at the end. That would have been the perfect way to wrap that up. Yep, like you know that's all, folks, or whatever. Um, I'll tell you what that segment moved that story along and did absolutely nothing to make me give any more of a rip about it than I didn't before. I, in fact, when they did it, I was like, 
oh, I thought maybe that died a slow death and we just were going to move on and forget it ever happened. Uh, but we're not. Okay. So Cody is feuding with Shaq. Cody has some sort of a, a thing with Sting. There's Team Taz. Like, everybody hates Cody. Apparently we're going to do a new sitcom, you know. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Can't say they're not doing anything with Cody. Uh, they're doing everything with Cody. Um, so, and I, and I wonder if I assigned value, quote unquote value to Brandy as being a, an executive of the company and how she handled herself. And that's why I thought she came across as a heel. And I, and I wonder too, when, what is the breaking point perhaps when fans get to come back in, in, in more than they currently are because they're doing outdoor socially distant shows. Um, what what is the tipping point for them being their th themselves and the executives to the or the, to the point where those executives become too much and like people begin to resent them for that because they're using that power to do what they're doing. Like so again, I saw Brandy throwing the water. Yes, she was offended. Yes, she was defending herself, but she's also needs to be to me. She needs to hold herself at, in a higher regard. And so throwing water in someone's face doesn't do that for me. I, I, I see where you're coming from on it. I think it'll be interesting to see how it goes forward. Um, yeah, they didn't keep that clear, certainly, either direction um, on AEW. So, hey, whatever you guys think about AEW, tell us on our on our social media. Um, hit us on Facebook. Hit us on, on Twitter at Two Spot Monkeys or Two Spot Monkeys on Facebook. Um, shoot us an email, twospotmonkeys at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. You know, maybe maybe Tom and I are crazy, and that's probably true. Um, well, let's talk a little Ring of Honor, Tom. Uh, Ring of Honor has final battle coming up, and we'll do a head-to-head -head next week, although um, some news came out today that is going to make that a little more challenging for us um, in that uh, four stars have apparently, if I'm reading through the tea leaves on it, uh, well, Kenny King has come out and said he tested positive for COVID-19. That's been on Twitter. Um the other three that they've said because of pre-travel medical restrictions, um, Bandito, Flamita, and EC3 are not going to be able to appear um, at Final Battle, which my understanding is they're taping Final Battle maybe even today, um, yesterday or today. In fact, I thought I had heard. Um, and that doesn't shock me. It doesn't need to be live. You don't have fans. So tape it, get it right, you know. And, and tape it when you've got everybody who's already tested negative there so that you don't run the risk of a week from now, you can't. Um, but that also probably means those individuals are not going to appear on the on the TV. They're also taping, which I would assume is going to be the follow-ups from Final Battle. Um, I mean, that, that's what they need to tape yet. So, um, but they've announced a few, well, they've announced the full card, although now the matches that were involving Bandito and Comito, which would be the six-man tag, and the EC3 Jay Briscoe match are obviously not happening or not happening in the form they were announced in. Um, and they've announced that those card changes won't be announced until final battle hour one, uh, which is the free show that they're going to do the first hour of final battle. It's going to be a four hour show. The first hour is free on fight and YouTube and Facebook and everywhere else, um, which will feature the four way for the dragon Lee uh, TV title shot later in the night. <laughs> Obviously, we're not we're not going to be able to pick the six man tag team title match now or EC three and Jay Briscoe. So cool, give me two less matches to try to make up my six match <laughs> negative streak. Uh, but COVID COVID continues to kick us. Um, 
but that being neither said neither here nor there, there's still like eight other matches we'll be able to uh, to pick because there's ten matches on that card right now. Uh, you and I both uh, had some text messages back and forth. Do you want to talk about that, or you looked like you were going to bring something up there, Tom? I do want to talk about that. I was I was so I pulled up the card. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven matches. What am I what am I missing? I, I have the the pure the first ever pure riddles tag, Tracy Williams and Rhett Titus from the foundation against Freddie A. High Wheeler, Utah. Okay. Uh pure title, Gresham versus Flip Gordon. Yep. Which which is gonna be one of the things we talk about here in a moment. The tag title match, which is Gresham and Lethal versus PCO and Mark Briscoe. Okay. The, the grudge match of Vincent and Bateman versus Mike. Bennett and Matt Taven, the four-way for the TV title shot and the TV title shot or the match itself, and then the world title match. So the obviously there's the two matches that are going to change. Yep. Um, and then the last one uh, they announced, um, they actually didn't announce it until week for week by week. So it hasn't been on TV yet. Um, Dan Housen will take on the Mecca, Brian Johnson. And if Dan Housen wins, um, he gets... Uh, his contract becomes uh, executed with Ring of Honor. He signed a Ring of Honor contract, but he has to win a match by the end of the year. So they could have Brian Johnson win that match, and then Dan Housen wins like on the next TV. But I'm gonna tell you right now, my pick's gonna be Dan Housen to win that match. I, I was about to say, do we even need to put that on the uh, out there? Because we're gonna pick the same thing. Right, we're both gonna pick the same way. Um, Brian Johnson is a character who is going to lose most of his matches, probably. Um, and Ken, because that's kind of his character. Um, so I, it was kind of the match I figured they would go to for Danhausen, and it, yeah, Danhausen's going to win that match. So that's the other one they they added on Tuesday on week to week, or week. Yeah. So I guess for me, let's back up to last week's TV. So last week's TV had Vincent and Mike Bennett, which is what has given us now this tag match, and that was the opening segment on the show, uh, and it was okay. It you know a kind of projected this is where we were headed so didn't didn't make me feel strongly one way or the other was just kind of there but then as the show develops we get the reveal of mark briscoe having pco in a box because he's gone out and found a i've seen pco in a box <laughs> since his brother since his brother had, had had made his own bed which is now disheveled mess uh uh and, and then later in, in the night, we get the pure match, which is Tracy Williams and the returning John Walters. Really great match. And it made me go, okay, you you invested energy, money, equity in bringing back a, a Ring of Honor legend, quote unquote, term used loosely because John Walters, again, was a champion, but again, his resume in Ring of Honor is what it is. Um, so I, I, w- I was actually surprised he came in and and, and I, I saw him winning against Tracy Williams, even though I wouldn't have agreed with that because I thought he was going to be the, the Gresham challenger. But no, we get told, because Flip Gordon's there on commentary, Flip Gordon is getting the title shot. Uh, and we both were like, oh, okay. That seems kind of out of left field. And then as we fast forward to this weekend, which the, the, the TV has not yet aired for Ring of Water this week, we have a pure match between Josh Woods, who recently beat Jay Lethal, and Flip Gordon, who is just getting into the division. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know what else to say because 
here's the thing, not to not tip my hat totally, because I think it's going to be different now, and it may not. I really thought that Josh Woods beating Lethal and then being in that four-way was a path to him getting the shot at Dragon Lee. Maybe that's not what's happening now, because I can't imagine Josh Woods beats Flip Gordon this weekend with Flip Gordon being the challenger at Final Battle. No, you wouldn't think so, because if he does, if he beat Jay Lethal and Flip Gordon, then he ought to be getting that pure title shot. Um, un unless there's going to be some sort of a card change, you know, card subject to change thing flip there. But then I don't think you would have put Josh Woods in that four-way. Um, so are you going to move Flip Gordon to the four-way? That would seem really pointless and stupid. Um, flip Gordon is a weird thing for me. Like, he's he's okay in the ring. He's pretty, maybe even good in the ring. Um, <laughs> his personal beliefs that get shared on Twitter leave a lot <laughs> to be desired to me. Um but that neither being here nor there, you know, I, I, I really try to watch wrestling as the characters and not who they are as people, but it's hard sometimes to separate that depending on what the situation is. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Um, you know, uh, for instance, to this day, I have not watched a Chris Benoit match since that night. Um, now I'm not saying Flip Gordon you know, and his beliefs are anything like what Chris Benoit did. No, obviously. And I've watched, I watched Flip Gordon matches, um, but it plays. Uh, but he's also been so start and stop in Ring of Honor. Uh, like he's got this world title shot and they kind of make it seem like he's going to be the next heir apparent to the world title shot. And I kind of see it as like, he's going to lose a Friday night in St. Louis match. Um, I know I've used that analogy before, but it's, you know, when Ring of Honor used to do double shot weekends, usually the Saturday show tended to be the bigger show. Um, and Friday night was kind of the warm-up show, whether it was in the same town or another town. And there, there are certainly weekends that didn't pan out that way. And somebody can pull up all the results and tell me how I'm wrong about it. And that's fine. Good for you. Um, but um, I, I, Flip Gordon challenging for the Ring of Honor world title for me means nothing. Uh, Flip Gordon challenging for the pure title when he hasn't done anything in the pure division, nothing. Uh, John Walters coming in and not having done anything in the division because he's a former pure champion, I could have dealt with. Like, had he not had a match with Tracy Williams or something. Um, I, you know, you and I both kind of thought John Walters was going to come in and maybe win that match and that he was going to get the pure title shot. Okay. John Walters is not even listed on final battle at this point. Um, and probably won't be unless they, you know, I don't know that they're going to be able to bring in anybody to fill in those spots. I don't know how that's going to work with the way they've got, they've got some pretty strict COVID protocols that Ring of Honor has followed. Um, and, and I think frankly, well, yes, there are a lot of things that politically you can talk about Sinclair and all of that kind of stuff. I have to give Ring of Honor credit and Sinclair because they're the ones who own them and they're the ones who put the bill um, for the way that they've handled COVID. It appears um, both shutting the company down for months and then in their return, um, they've been, it seems from everything that comes out, um, very diligent in testing and keeping an eye on things and making sure that things are as safe as they can be in the current environment. So I, I do have to give them credit for that. That, that being, being here nor there, I know I went off on a, about three different tangents there. No, it's um, all good. I, I, I wanted to, so, so two things, and I don't remember where I've either read or heard this. I want to say it was on commentary. If I'm not mistaken, there are three people in Ring of Honor who are owed title shots. Matt Taven, because he never got a rematch. Flip Gordon because he won an opportunity somewhere. Battle Royal, I think, or something. Yeah. Okay. And then there's a third person. Mark, you... Mark Askins. Mark Askins. He, he was supposed to get the title shot at the anniversary show that got canceled. 
Okay. Uh, so he's owed a title shot as well. Of course, we haven't seen Mark back because Mark is, I believe, in the UK probably right now. Um, Haskins is another one, frankly, who I haven't felt that build for him. Like, oh my gosh, yeah, he's a world title contender. I, but I wasn't watching Ring of Honor quite as regularly at that point either because my TV was really weird about when it recorded. It's been a little more consistent now. Um, and I've also made it more of a point to watch it because I've really enjoyed it since the reboot has started. Um, and I've enjoyed the story. So yeah, Flip Gordon just, that was weird. I just, they, they seem, they've done, they've spent more time building the pure wrestling division than they've spent doing anything else since they've started this company back up. And then you give the title shot at final battle to a guy who hasn't had a single match in the pure division until the week before final battle, when you, it almost feels like you booked him in that match because somebody went, Hey, Flip Gordon hasn't had a match in the pure division yet. We should probably give him one. Um, let's put him over the guy that just beat Jay Lethal, because that's probably what's going to happen. Maybe we're both wrong. But um, and, and, and when I think about long-term storytelling, like and the value of wins and losses, which I think you know we've we've gone around this this topic a lot, but really WWE doesn't exist. But in Ring of Honor, it probably should exist, uh, much like it does in New Japan to a certain extent. So here, when you have what you have, and again, if Flip Gordon beats Josh Woods this weekend, it's like, why did he beat Lethal? Like, he, they, right. they, they, right. I mean, I mean, at least go to a draw and have Lethal get get. I mean, because you because you had Lethal beat LSG with the draw. If you have Lethal beat Woods with the draw, there's a couple oh. of different paths storytelling there that you can do, especially because Woods and King in the tournament had a draw. Right. So again, I. And, I, and I'm and I'm not. I didn't even give this thought prior to us talking about. It. I'm coming up right now, and so if, if I can do that, and I'm not booking a company, what should a booker be able to do? Right. And if you want to get behind Josh Woods, I understand that. That's fine. And I, I Josh Woods has come a long way, and you want to give him a win over somebody like Lethal. I get it. Do it after Final Battle. You know, if, if you're going to build Flip Gordon for the title shot, do something with Flip Gordon. I don't know why he didn't work the Pure Tournament. I don't know if just he was never planned to. I don't know. Maybe he had COVID. Um, he doesn't believe it's a real thing, so maybe he didn't. I don't know. Um, but um, I just, I don't know. It, it's all baffling to me. Um, I will say the Mark Briscoe and PCO thing, well, a little bit I went, huh? I also had it pegged. Um, because when Briscoe the week before said, I'm going to go find me my own tag partner, A, I knew PCO had worked the TV tapings. There had been pictures of him um, having worked those. And I also believe that, the, when they did this round of tapings was the last time they did Ring of Honor trivia. And I played in that and PCO was on that um, Zoom call with us among other people. Um, and he was clearly in the same hotel as some of the other people who I know were at those tapings too, because it was kind of the same backdrop. Their rooms all, you know, virtually the same. Um, so I, I had known from a couple of different places that PCO was in for that. Uh, I figured the two options really were PCO. And then they've done a couple of video packages on Sledge, who's one of their students. And that was the other person I thought, well, maybe they'd bring in Sledge, you know, because he seems a little bit like a hardcore guy and a whatever. Um, I'm glad they didn't do that. I just think you're setting him up maybe for failure at that point when you bring him into that spot immediately. So I kind of figured it was going to be PCO. It doesn't mean I'm any more like, oh, Mark Briscoe and PCO, that's a great tag team. Um, I mean, they're both crazy as crap. Um, so, you know, you're going to have the two pure wrestlers against two brawlers. So there's an interesting dynamic story there. Um, how does Briscoe work in a tag team with somebody that's not Jay? 
now I think you can also add a layer. Does Jay say, hey, my match with EC3 isn't happening. I want I want to be your partner at Final Battle. Um, you know, does, he, does he attack PCO to get into that spot? Or right. or do does Jay say, hey, you guys do your thing, but later on, the three of us, we're fighting Taylor and the SOS. And I, let's, get, let's, let's get two sets of traps tonight. Because, and, 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 and maybe that doesn't happen at all. I, I think that would be a good match. I think that would be a fun match. I think it would be a wild match. Um, it's probably already happened, so universe, tell me. Uh, <laughs> um, but, how, but I guess more so than anything is final battle without a big Jay Briscoe moment or involvement is it's hard to it's hard to think about right and that would make some sense too it also play off the sos briscoe's match that we had a couple of weeks back on tv um so good thinking there that actually again probably trying to reuse some of the talent who's there um and not bringing anybody new in um you know they're gonna have to eventually hear probably on final battle they'll announce that this the uh six-man titles have been vacated or something Mental note, drop Bandito before then um, in our fantasy wrestling league. Can't stand to lose those points. Um, as, but, as, as the person who's on your tail in that league and who's who was in the front running spot the entire league up until most recently, I encourage you to keep Bandito on your own. <laughs> you might get dropped while we're talking. Um, <laughs> I had a move I was planning to make, but now I just might pivot and, and make uh, Bandito the drop. Um, anyways. Again, not breaking down the fantasy wrestling league, although that'd be fun to do for the Annette would enjoy that probably. Um, who, who listens to this and is joining us next year uh, in our our league, which we are currently in the midst of our draft for. Um, but that needs being here or there. I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Ring of Honor handles this. Um, I, I will say kudos to them for getting the word out right now that those four four men, three of whom were announced for the show, will not be on final battle. They didn't do a bait and switch. They didn't do a when you tune in, well, card subject to change, folks. This happened. They came out right away. Um, now, granted, it, none of them were in the world title match or anything, but they were in two a six-man tag team title match in Bandito and Flamita's case and a very promoted match in EC3 and Briscoe. Knowing that their TV probably is already ready to roll and they might not be able to edit that stuff out for this weekend, kudos to them for getting the word out right away that those, those people won't be on final battle. You know, I'm giving Ring of Honor a lot of kudos here, but they've earned them right now. So um, with the way they've handled things, we'll see how the show goes. Uh, we did get confirm, confirmation this week. Uh, you you uh, tagged me on Twitter with it, and I had seen it as well, that uh, Honor Club memberships, all Honor Club memberships, both monthly and yearly, do get pay-per-views for free now, uh, which they had announced just before they shut everything down. They have stayed with that, so... Um, you can get Final Battle for 20 bucks on Fight if you want, or you can pay for a month of Honor Club and get it for 10 bucks. Why anybody would pay 20 bucks on Fight, I'm not real sure. Um, because if you have Honor Club and you're used to using Fight TV to watch other wrestling things that come on, your Honor Club membership works through Fight TV. So you can use Fight to stream it to your TV, no problem, even if you don't have a Roku with the Honor Club app or those kinds of things. Um, so that is how I am intending to watch uh, Final Battle. I'll be signing up for Honor Club here in the next week and uh, watching it. Hopefully, as it happens Friday night, I do have a trivia game before that. But because the show doesn't actually start until, I guess, 7 o'clock with hour one for me, 
I might be able to watch it after if my wife doesn't mind seeing me at all that evening. We'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> what I'm saying is it could be Saturday before I see much of Final Battle. Um, but uh, but we'll talk more about that next week when we do a preview uh, for Final Battle and TLC, which does have a number of matches as well already announced. And I assume they will finalize some more, perhaps even uh, tonight on SmackDown and next week on uh, Raw as well. Maybe Peyton Royce will get her shot at, oh, no, wait, that's right. They'd have to put her on TV. Um, it's going to become a running thing now. Retribution, you know, hey, why not? Uh, maybe they should put her in Retribution because at least she might show up on TV every three or four weeks then. Royce, um, tri- Royce Tribution. Royce Tribution. There you go. <laughs> is it better to lose every week and be on TV like Retribution or is it better to actually not be on TV at all? I don't know. Um Oh, they bungle things so darn bad over there sometimes. Well, Tom, that's all the topics we had scheduled. Is there anything else you look like you have a thought? Yeah, well, we were going to talk about uh, favorite holiday gift wrestling themed ever. but I, were, and I forgot to put that banner on here. Oh, so it's, it's all good. We're, we're running up against some personal clock stuff with our recording. So let's, let's put a pin in that one and let's come back to it either next week or the week after. Um, in this season of, of gift giving and holiday time, I think I have a fun story to share. I would love to hear what you think, what is, not, not more than what you think, what actually is for you the best wrestling related gift you've ever received. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'll have to do some thinking. So I'm, it's probably better that we put a pin in that so that I can I can think through that. I, I certainly have memories of being a kid and and getting uh, wrestlers, you know, at, at Christmas time. Um, I say that and, you know, there might be a wrestler or two on my Christmas list this year as well. So, you know, almost 43 years old, doesn't matter. Um, but, uh, yeah, we are running up against some some personal um, obligations. So we will uh, we'll end things here for the week uh, and say that next week we will be back with that double head-to-head episode uh, talking both Final Battle and TLC. Uh, then after that, just kind of looking ahead, uh, we're hoping to record something the following week, but that is the week of Christmas. So we may just have to watch schedules and see how that works to talk through, uh, three big things from those shows and and other topics as well. Um, and then, uh, we'll try and record something the last week of the year as well. Uh, maybe, maybe we'll do some sort of like year in review or some awards, you know, our, our wrestler of the year, our, you know, feud of the year, that kind of thing. Um, that might be kind of a fun thing to do. Uh, that I haven't talked about with Tom before saying it here on the recording and putting it out in the universe. So Todd's Todd, Todd, Tom is nodding. There we go. Um, embassy Todd is who we're replacing Tom with, but uh, no, uh, our, our friend embassy wanted Tom, Tom thrown off the podcast for, I don't even remember what the uh, egregious thing you had said or done was. I praised, I praised impact. I praised the second half oh, of the impact show. That's what it was. That's what yeah. it was. Which actually wasn't terrible. So you know, I mean, the first that first half, it was lost on me. Second half was not lost on me. So there you go. Well, maybe they get a different version over there in Malta. We don't know. So uh, the Maltese Impact Wrestling version. All right, I think we actually beaten horses enough. Uh, but Tom, as always, it is good to sit and chat wrestling with you and everything else that we end up recording about uh, in these times. Everybody else. Please uh, rate, review, give us uh, five stars if you can, um, or 
you know, less, I guess, if you think we deserved it, but hopefully we were worth your five stars. If you do give us less, tell us why. Tell us what you'd love to hear from us. Tell us what you want us to stop talking about. Um, and I know it's probably retribution, but. Um. And actually, I'm, I, it just hit me, and I know, I know we're running up, but it's, it needs to be stated. The Detroit Lions defeated the Chicago Bears last Sunday. I, I would counter your comment and say the Chicago Bears defeated the Chicago Bears on Sunday, much like in week one, the Detroit Lions defeated the Detroit Lions. Um, yeah, they both teams gave away a game to the other team, so I guess it all, uh, the, the universe evened things out. Um, yeah, at this point, the Bears can keep losing, get a higher draft pick. Um, it sounds like they're going to clear house at the end of the year, so uh, may, maybe, I, I don't know, We I know we've got wrestling fans, you know, for the most part, but maybe there'll be a special episode of two spot monkeys where we break down the NFL playoffs coming up and do some predictions. That might be kind of a fun, you know, and just forewarn everybody. It's a special episode. And if you don't like football, skip it. Um, I don't know. I, we did that one year before we did a preview episode with our friend, Kevin. Oh gosh. Back in the first iteration of two spot monkeys. Um, that was kind of fun, but um, I, I don't think we'll be talking about either of our teams when we're breaking down the NFL playoffs this year. Well, my team is the Seattle Seahawks, so we'll be talking about. Oh, oh, oh! We've we've jumped ship. Okay, all right. Bandwagon. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Must have had a cough there. Well, everybody, stay safe. Uh, if we don't talk to you before, uh, no, we'll talk to you next week. Never mind. I was going to say before Christmas. We got a whole other week before Christmas. Um, so, but have a great holiday season until we talk to you again. And uh, as Ian Riccaboni would say, "Happy wrestling, everybody." <laughs>